Well, boy, there is a lot happening right now on the Oklahoma sports scene, and who better to welcome on than Dylan Buckingham, sports anchor, KFOR down there in Oklahoma City, and also radio host on the franchise from 10 to 1 every weekday. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is, of course, how you join us on heartlandcollegesports.com. Radio, podcast, wherever you get your podcast, go download it there. And, of course, as always, a big thanks to our radio affiliates who carry the show. Dylan, uh, let's start off with the the really tragic uh, story this week where one of the top wrestlers in the country, A.J. Ferrari, down there in Stillwater, found himself in a terrible accident. Uh, An Oklahoma State offensive coordinator, Casey Dunn, actually helped pull Ferrari out of the car. How is he doing, and what do we know about what happened there? This is an absolutely crazy story, and it's, it's crazy because of what happened, number one, but... With A.J. Ferrari, he's a guy that is one of the more polarizing wrestlers in the sport, and he comes on the scene at 197 pounds. First off, just wins the national championship as a freshman, is polarizing. And from what I understand, he was coming back from a youth wrestling event at Cushing High School, a really small high school uh, here in Oklahoma, and was making an illegal pass and was in the wrong lane, hit head-on with a pickup truck, and flipped his car numerous times coming to arrest off the side of the road and the car caught on fire and for whatever reason Casey Dunn just happened to be in the right place at the right time he and another bystander immediately come on the scene and uh, Ferrari's passenger had crawled out of the car but Ferrari was still in there I don't know if he was knocked out but once Casey Dunn pulled him from the burning vehicle Uh, He was responsive, but shook from the accident, and he was making an illegal pass and hit somebody head-on. Now, fortunately, everybody's okay, and that's the the best part of this. The craziest thing is no one really suffered any life-threatening injuries. Ferrari had a little bit of fluid on his lungs per his dad and some internal bleeding, but no broken bones whatsoever. And the lady in the truck that he hit refused medical uh, assistance on the actual event itself when she was at the scene, and his passenger is expected to be okay. So uh, a, a huge, huge bullet that was dodged from these guys, and fortunately, everybody's okay. Yeah, that is uh, that is darn impressive. Thank goodness everybody's okay, and really just been one of those insane stories to follow. Uh, so we'll, of course, keep those thoughts and prayers up for A.J. Ferrari here on the show. Uh, let's, let's do some basketball right now, Dylan. I mean, when you look at this Big 12, I, I don't know if you saw this last night, but – ESPN during the TCU Texas game shared the top nine toughest remaining schedules in all of college basketball. All nine are the Big 12 except for Iowa State. You follow this league, of course, you know what's going on. This is arguably the deepest any conference in America has been, at least since I've been following the sport. And it feels like, of course, the Big 12 isn't getting the credit it deserves. What do you make of that? You know, it's really funny because I the other day I said on my show, I'm like, it's, it's almost annoying to say this every time we talk about a basketball game, but it's the hardest conference in the league, and it's, you know, it's almost overplayed, but it's still not giving it enough respect, too, at the same time, which is really crazy to think about. But legitimately, you have teams like Oklahoma, they're 2-5 and five sitting in conference play right now. Like, you can make a case for all 10 of these teams being in the NCAA tournament. Now, I know Oklahoma State's not eligible this year, but theoretically – you could make a case for them being in the NCAA tournament this year, despite the fact they're sitting sub-500 in the Big 12. And most of the teams 
are sitting sub 500 right now because that's how tough this conference is. Yet nationally, you're still seeing guys like um, Joey Brackett give them a lot of respect and say, hey, they should be in the tournament this year. They should find a way to play because the Big 12 is so treacherous. And it's absolutely wild. I mean, there's no excuse or reason why, like, Oklahoma State goes on a three-game stretch because of a COVID mishap. They had to go play at Texas Tech, at West Virginia, and at Baylor. You're going, their best-case scenario is going one and two in that stretch, and they went one and two in that stretch, but not the game you'd expect them to go in there and win, which was at Waco against Baylor. Now, I know Akinjo has been banged up a little bit, and he hasn't been the same player, but still, that's what you're seeing every single night in this conference. Like, people are freaking out because they're starting to wonder, is Porter Moser a great basketball coach? Because Oklahoma's struggling. They're on a four-game skid. But that's the deal. They're they're not bad. They just, they're in the Big 12, and it's crazy to watch every night because not only are they having like difficulty scoring, but it also goes into the defense being really elite for a lot of these schools. And that's what's been really cool to watch, I think, over the last few weeks in Big 12 play. And think about it, too. I mean, if you had a situation where Oklahoma State was allowed to play in the NCAA tournament, which is a whole other story and is absurd – uh, you you may have a scenario where 12 or all 12, all 10 teams are making the big dance. I mean, that's just, it's unfathomable uh, to even think about it like that. And it really is, I know that times are changing and college athletics is going to be changing in the Big 12, but it really tells you whether it's the football field or, or basketball, you put those two sports together, there's one weak link and that's Kansas football. And there's something to be said for quality over quantity. Uh, there is no doubt about that. And I will say this. I, I really do think Lance Leopold's going to do a great job there. I, <laughs> I think that the – I agree. The, the way the administrations have pushed that back a little bit, you know, you, you start hiring all these dudes and you have all this changeover left and right every couple of years, there's no consistency. And so it's really tough when you start really mixing and matching coaching philosophies with different recruits and all that stuff. So while while you're right, yes, I think I think at some point Kansas gets back to a good spot and finds a way to be relevant football wise. But that's that's my little soapbox for the day on no, that. But, yeah, uh, the Big Twelve has been uh, dynamic. I love it. I love it. Now Oklahoma State, how are they handling this? I mean, they had a tough start to the season, but this team is playing a really tough basketball the last few games, especially considering there is no postseason for that. Do you give Mike Boynton all the credit for, for the way this team is playing, or is there something or someone else that's really lit that fire under these guys? I'll be completely honest with you. Like, I don't know how, as a college athlete, you get motivated to play a schedule knowing that there is no hope. I mean, that is the most brutal thing that you can do, I think. You, you get a short amount of time to do this, five, maybe six years, depending on what your COVID eligibility is. And for him to get them ready to play elite defense every night, because that's what they do. They don't score the basketball very well, but they play elite defense every single night. So I, I give Mike Boynton a ton of credit on that front. Now, the only championship they can win this year is the, the Big 12 regular season crown. They can't play in the postseason tournament. They can't play in the NCAA tournament. So they're just trying to play for pride, basically, and, and maybe a chance at the NBA or to see some of these uh, scouts have a chance to see them play in the college game. But to me, you've got to give them a ton of credit because they haven't blinked in that department. They have given a ton of effort. They have tried their tails off, but they just can't score. And they've missed shots in the most creative ways possible. I mean, they get shots to go halfway down. They're missing layups. It's really weird how they've been able to not get that game working for them but you know 
for me, I, I said, I can't imagine going on like a 15-2 run against West Virginia and then going to the huddle thinking that didn't matter. You know, they're, they're having to sit there and just play for pride. So for him to get them even remotely in contention these games and to keep them happy to compete and to have that kind of mindset, he deserves all the credit in the world. And what people need to remember about Mike Boynton, too, is that he's had this hanging over his head as a head coach at Oklahoma State, now it's fifth season at the school, his entire time. He got Cade Cunningham, the number one pick in the draft, to come to OSU knowing there's a possibility he was going to get a postseason ban. And to me, the job he's done has been incredible in that sense. Now, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what happens without that hanging over their head next year, and he can start getting some other recruits in. But they've got to find a way to score the basketball in the short term if they're going to find themselves in a situation to win a Big 12 regular season crowd. Let's talk. Uh, Dylan Buckingham is joining us. KFOR down in Oklahoma City. Also, the franchise 10 to 1 every day. Off-season football, where are we? I mean, reports yesterday on Caleb Williams. Now, Wisconsin's in the mix. I mean, if if he goes to Wisconsin, Dylan, I, I won't be able to figure out what the heck is happening in college football anymore in relation to NIL, transfer portal. I just won't get it. Uh, but doesn't mean he's maybe not going to do it. What's going on with Caleb Williams? We all thought USC was a done deal. Is this all theater, or is there something else happening here? I'm going to vote theater. Okay. Because he initially, if you take this further back, so Brock Vandegrift had committed to Oklahoma. He was the number one recruit in the country at quarterback spot uh, a couple of years back, and that's great. So Vandegrift goes there, uh, decides later that he wants to be closer to home, ends up going to Georgia. No problem whatsoever. Well, during that time, Caleb Williams was the number two quarterback in the country. He eventually overtook Vandegrift as the number one recruit at the quarterback spot. But beyond that, though, Caleb Williams wanted to play for Lincoln Riley so bad that he was willing to walk on to Oklahoma's football program just to get coached by Lincoln Riley. So when Riley leaves and goes to USC, I have a really hard time thinking that Williams just decides, I got one year with him, I'm good. Now his family is selling, we want to go to the best spot possible that can build up a NFL resume to make him the number one overall pick. Okay, fair. If there's a guy that can do that, we know it's Lincoln Riley. Look at Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Kyler Murray. I mean, you got three guys who are from Oklahoma starting in the NFL. So we know he's like the quarterback whisperer. Now, that being said, I think the biggest play here for Williams and his family is he can make a ton of money on the West Coast through the NIL stuff. And I think you can connect some dots to who he knows uh, Wisconsin-wise. But if you're going to sell me that he wants to go to a program that develops quarterbacks, Paul Chris was the offensive coordinator for Russell Wilson when he was there for one year. One year at Wisconsin. And that's great, but he's an NC State guy as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's kind of where he built his name and his reputation and then goes to Wisconsin and kind of took it to the next level. So with that being said, what I think happened is I think they're kind of leaking out some stuff like, hey, we can make X amount of money here at Wisconsin. And you get that out there in the media, and Lincoln Riley sees that and some of the other coaches on staff at USC, and they might have to pony up a little bit more money NIL-wise to get him. I think it's a play to make more money nil I got no information on that whatsoever, but I think that's the best play. They're trying to get through all these different colleges right now is like, hey, who can offer me the most money now? Because let's not kid ourselves. He's one play away from never playing again. I mean, that's football for you. So uh, you got to cash in while you can. Mm-hmm. Dylan, uh, in, in Stillwater, Derek Mason gets hired. Reports here this week that, of course, he's going to be the next D.C. 
at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, for all the talk about how the Big 12 is not the SEC, I mean, they did just poach, and it wasn't OU or Texas, an SEC coordinator. That's pretty good. I know that losing Jim Knowles is, is a heartbreaker, but what do you think of that hire, and how did Mike Gundy get this done? Because all reports show that these guys really didn't know each other at all. Yeah, Pete, you hit the nail on the head with this because a lot of Oklahoma State fans are usually upset because their coordinators or their coaches get poached and go somewhere else. Well, I can tell you this started about a year ago when when Dr. Casey Shrum takes over as president and Chad Weiberg takes over as the athletic director. They wanted to take football to the next level because they know that's how athletic departments can really flourish is with a successful football program. And honestly – They've been really, really active in trying to get a bigger salary pool for assistance, including uh, Derek Mason. I think it's a great hire to answer your question. Uh, I think money talked in this situation. I think he'll make over a million dollars from what I've been told, which uh, for a coordinator is pretty solid. So they're going to go in a good direction there. The one aspect of this is that you want to see growth in one area from what he had at Auburn. And I think – it's the pass defense because they were 96th against the pass last year. And that's a number that Oklahoma State fans would want to see be a little bit lower. But they were great against the run. They were 29th in the country there. And I think as they go forward, that's something that they would like to see kind of continue. They were um, great in that department under Jim Knowles. They had a top 10 total defense last year. So for Mason to get in there and to bring a fresh perspective, I think it's going to work out really well. I, I don't know what's happening at Auburn. You know, you hear that Harson's name continues to come up for other jobs around the country, and I don't know if Mason and Harson didn't get along or they had a different mindset on things, but it's a chance for him to have a fresh start as a defensive coordinator. He's worked well um, as a position coach. He did a great job at Stanford when he was there. So I think by all intents and purposes, when you start looking at uh, beyond hiring from within, like a name like Joe Bob Clements, who's our defensive line coach, who helped coach freshman All-American Colin Oliver, I mean, without hiring him as your D.C., I think this is a home run hit for him. And I think for Oklahoma State fans, they have to be thrilled about that. The biggest question they have to themselves now is how do they brace the fall of losing a guy like Jarek Bernard Converse to LSU who transferred out, uh, Tanner McAllister who transferred to Ohio State to follow Jim Knowles. you got to pick up some other guys in that department, Israel Antoine on the defensive line who went to the NFL. They've got to hit the portal and get some of these guys to kind of brace that fall a little bit. I think that's their next logical step after hiring Mason. And speaking of the portal, uh, Oklahoma State quarterback Shane Illingworth entered the portal here in the last uh, few days or so. Is that just because he realizes, I mean, Spencer Sanders has a couple years left. He's never going to be an early to the NFL guy. He could end up being like a Skylar Thompson who feels like he's there for 10 years. Is that just him reading the writing on the wall or was there something (laughs) else? I think it's two things. Number one, what you just said, he's just he's tired of sitting behind Spencer Sanders, and that's okay. Mike Gundy is extremely loyal to his quarterbacks, almost to a fault, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, and so that's what I think he's doing in this situation with Spencer Sanders. Now, Sanders likes to turn the football over, has trouble staying healthy. Ellingworth would get an opportunity at some point, but here's the thing you got to go back to from last year. Oklahoma State was great running the football. They were not so great in pass blocking. And mm-hmm. – For a lot of the quarterbacks in this conference now in the Big 12, it's can you do two things? Can you throw it and can you run it? And Spencer Sanders can absolutely do both of those things. And Shane Ellingworth is a little bit of a statue back there. He's not a mobile quarterback. He's a pro-style quarterback. And I think that's been maybe their biggest hiccup getting him on the field because I think there have been points where Mike Gundy would like to have him out there, but they can't trust the offensive line to block long enough for him. So I think he sees the writing on the wall and goes, look, I'm not going to play – I need to go somewhere else. I'm ready to play, clearly, 
because every time he's gone in, he's been fantastic for Oklahoma State. The only thing is he's just not getting a chance. So it's probably best for both parties to move on. And now you might be asking yourself, well, what does Oklahoma State do? They've got a guy coming in named Garrett Rangel, who is a fantastic prospect out of Texas. I believe he's from Frisco, and he's supposed to be the next guy. And he's a mobile quarterback that can throw it. So uh, we'll see what Oklahoma State puts together. But I think it's a huge blow to lose a guy like Shane Ellingworth, a four-star quarterback out of California. Mm -hmm. I I agree. Uh, Last thing, the the Big 12 announced here, Dylan, recently that uh, they're going to be doing uh, two seven-team conferences for at least a couple of years until OU and Texas leave. Reports are the league wants to do uh, OU and Texas on different sides of the divisions. That way, when they leave, it's kind of an easy easy break and the other six and six stay together. What's been the talk down there in terms of how Oklahoma's reacting to that and um, where it goes from here? It's kind of funny. A lot of Oklahoma people are like, whatever, who cares? Yeah. It's like, we're going to be gone soon enough anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're kind of – yeah, they, I, I would tell you this. Most Oklahoma fans think this won't come to fruition, and, and they, there's nothing to base that off of, but people think that there is going to be a really hard sell for Oklahoma staying in a conference that's going to be kind of a lame duck situation. Why would they stay in for the next you know, three, four years uh, for the grant of rights to get done whenever they have a chance to go to the SEC? My belief is it just costs so much money. And I don't know if Texas is going to take the money. I've heard two different ports want reports saying that, yes, Texas would take their Longhorn Network buyout and pay for them in Oklahoma to go. And then I've also heard, no, that would not be the case. So only time will tell on that. I just think they're going to have a hard time getting boosters from both schools to pony up upwards of $150 million, if not more than that, to get both these teams out of the contract. I would love to see Oklahoma and Texas battle these other schools. I think that would be a blast as you change up how you're going to do things in the conference. It gives you a different look at a couple of things on the way out. By no means do I think Oklahoma and Texas decide, hey, we're going to go ahead and stick around here. I mean, it's the SEC. It's a chance for them to make a ton of money every single year, um, you know, doing just what they do now. I, I'd say, you know, Oklahoma's not going to win six straight Big 12 championships or SEC championships there, you know, but I think it's a chance to make $90 million a year per buyout, which is or not per buyout, but per their um, grant of rights that they're going to have with the SEC. So they're going to make a ton of money out of this. It's not so much about championships, but I think long-term division-wise, look, it doesn't – I don't think it really matters to a lot of Oklahoma folks. I think it's kind of strange that you might end up having uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas all battle each other for this and not having Oklahoma State and Texas every year. But if the the divisions change, I I hope they're they're cognizant of – at least from the reports that we've seen, how they would divide this. I hate a north-south. I kind of prefer an east-west. So mm-hmm. I think you could change some things up to give yourself a little bit of uh, juice in terms of how they've laid it out. Like, Baylor kind of appears to be on the rise with Dave Aranda. I'm very curious to see where they stick them in that division process, too, because if they have an easier division, they could find themselves in a Big 12 championship game every single year. So it's a real toss-up. Fortunately, nothing's done with these divisions i think it's just preliminary talk it absolutely is very interesting stuff dylan buckingham kfor down there in oklahoma city also middays on the franchise 10 to 1 joining us here on heartland college sports weekly it is great to have you on dylan thank you for being here my man we'll talk to you soon pete thank you so much for the time it was great chatting with you too Love having Dylan Buckingham on the show. He does a great job in Oklahoma. Appreciate his time and appreciate you guys. Hey, before you go, take 30 seconds, leave me a rating and a review. Hit that subscribe button. It helps grow this show. It helps us beat 
CBS and ESPN and all the other big dogs when it comes to Big 12 podcasts. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get a koozie personally in the mail for you guys. Appreciate that and appreciate you, and uh, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com.